And as I said, Jude down to record. Bam, bam. It's pretty rad. All right. Yeah, so maybe they got it all the way then. All right. That, yeah. Thanks, Jude. That could totally be. Hey, yo. We are Fantasy on Draft, the FOD. Welcome to episode numero 20, the big 2-0. I'm NMFL, and I'm with my co-host, Miyagi Poka. How are you doing today, man? Man, we made it to episode 20. I, I feel great. 20 is a big deal. Feels like an accomplishment. Feels it feels uh, like we're almost at 21. Oh, we can almost drink. <laughs> almost age. <laughs> a little housekeeping for today's episode. We just want to start off and tell you we are on Patreon. Big deal. Yeah, <laughs> patreon.com slash fantasy on draft. We'd love to have you check it out. It's basically so you can you can help us keep this podcast going. It's a way to crowdfund, you know, if you can pledge a dollar our episodes so you know four dollars a month buy us a cup of coffee it, it helps us pay for our equipment that we're using helps us get new editing stuff and it helps us helps us get smarter helps pay for some of the subscriptions that we use and you know we learn players better that way right yeah absolutely um, there, there's a couple analytic tools that i have my eye on using like we already use the pff advanced analytics tools and um, during the season, those have been incredibly helpful. And uh, during the off season, there's a whole bunch more rookie metrics and advanced stats and stuff that I'm really looking forward to diving into. So um, every every dollar really has helped. Thanks, guys. Yeah, seriously, it's been great. We've had a bunch of people sign up already, and it's awesome. We're really excited. But literally, every dollar does help. You know, if we can get one more person to sign up for one dollar an episode, and then one more person, and one more person, pretty soon, you know, we got the whole world signed up. That's our that's our goal. Yeah, I think we could get that done by the beginning of next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> um, where can you find us? We are on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We are on Apple Podcasts. Uh, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, maybe leave us a review. We, we'd love to have a review on the Apple Podcast. It really helps people find us. We're also on Facebook at Fantasy on Draft Podcast. And we have a Bad Fantasy Football Trades page that's on the Facebooks as well. And uh, that's pretty fun to check out. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later yeah, today. That, that group is alive right now. This is a time of year where there's just a bunch of nonsense we're, on that page. We're like 900 people in Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, it's growing. There's yeah, a bunch big. this week. On today's episode, we're going to get into this week's news around the NFL. We'll talk playoffs a little bit. Our six-pack of the week is going to be bold fantasy takes for 2022. This will be good. Yeah, we'll have fun <laughs> with that. Our rookie player profile will be running back Isaiah Spiller. And then we're going to finish off this week's show with the drunken trade of the week. And let me tell you, it's a doozy. <laughs> if Team Thompson is listening right now, we need to hear from you ASAP. <laughs> yeah. We need to hear your side because, man, you're drunk drunk. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. But first, let's get into our beer of the day. Uh, today, we're drinking a beer from Pizza Port Brewing, which is San Diego area, right? Correct. They have a, a couple different breweries down there, but it's all part of the Pizza, pizza Port family. And the name of the beer is Bacon and Eggs, which is a great name. It's, uh, I mean, it falls under the breakfast stout, right? Absolutely. Breakfast, I mean, yeah. it's a porter, right? But I mean, that's... Is that basically a beer with coffee is that why they call it the breakfast yeah spouse? so they used a local uh, coffee roastery down there in um in san diego 
the bird rock roasters and the, so they, they use a really rich heavy coffee in it and uh, it's an imperial porter so it comes in at eight percent and uh, they kind of named it after their favorite thing which is brunch a nice beer to get the day going and it's a uh, it's a doozy i like it it's a nice eight percent imperial porter nice tan head to it um a little bit thicker body than a porter it being an imperial i do expect a thicker body but it's even thicker than i anticipated it being and um i, I do get some nice coffee notes to it that's it's really good i enjoy the heck out of this yeah yeah i've i've had this beer in the past and i guess just in my mind it's always just been a stout um, just been a, a breakfast coffee stout. I didn't quite realize it was a porter, and that's probably because of the 8%. Um, plus, it, it has a good mouthfeel. It's, it's not super thin. It, uh, it has some how you doing to it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not like a papery, watery beer. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, for sure. And it, but it's not so heavy also. Like, we have, um, I think we did the KBS earlier, where that's such a rich, heavy, just, like, sludge in a good way. I mean that in an endearing fashion, but... Um, this being a breakfast porter, you probably don't want that first thing in the morning. Uh, so right, this, right. this is this is this is kind of perfect for what they're going for. I really dig it. I think they nailed this beer, and it's seasonal too. So if you can get it, get it because you can't just get it all year. Yeah, I definitely get get the coffee flavor strong. It's it's really good. Uh, I'm a big fan of stouts. I'm a big fan of this porter. Uh, I feel like we've talked about it in the past, but sometimes porters are a little thin, not quite living up. Kind of a little brother to a stout. The Eli Manning. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't hear shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of this beer. Um, it definitely it's definitely dark black. Has a nice uh, tan khaki color head and. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it a lot. You you want to rate it? Um, yeah. So for the style breakfast uh, breakfast porter, um, you know the the coffee really shines through. There is some chocolateiness to it. Um, full body feel. I'm gonna give it a solid. Uh, let's go seven and a half for imperial porter. You know what? Let's go eight. It's more towards an eight. I like it. And then for my enjoyment, I'm gonna give it a. So the only thing is, um, I'm also drinking coffee this morning. Uh, so I don't know how much of the flavor this is lasting on the palate. It's a very drinkable beer for it being so high in ABV, um, but it doesn't leave that like cumulin palate, just, you know, sure, effervescence sure. on your on your palate. Um, but I still very much enjoy it. I'm gonna give it a, I'll give it an eight again. So I could have just gotten eight across the board. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go an 8.2. Uh, mostly because I like it a little bit better than an eight mm -hmm. and kind of because, well, screw Ken. Yeah, screw that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's great. Uh, once again, it's bacon and eggs from Pizza Port Brewing in San Diego. You can find them. Their socials are at Pizza Port Brewing Co. And uh, yeah, check them out. They, they make some really good beers. Um, there's a lot of really good beer in San Diego and Pizza Port's on the top of that list. Heck yeah. Um, news and notes for the week. We're just kind of going to get into some of the playoffs and, and talk about it. Playoffs? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Let's just start with number one, Bill's Mafia, baby. Holy crap. Talk uh, about a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. <laughs> man, they they scored a touchdown on every possession. Yeah, they, they pitched a perfect game. Yeah, they had a possession where they kneeled at the end of the game. Yeah, that was it. Everything else was a touchdown. They yeah. didn't attempt a field goal. They didn't run out, you know, <laughs> turnover on downs, yeah. no punt, nothing. They yeah. scored a touchdown yeah. every no, time. No turnovers. Ball. Yeah. 
And uh, what about your boy Fitzmagic? Dude, I was like, I didn't, I didn't see the highlight or anything at the game because I was watching kind of side view. I was, I was going to a concert that night, and the <laughs> the clip of him just shirt off, eyes bulging, just losing his shit at one of the touchdowns. I was like, oh, that's crazy. That guy looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's cool that they got a look alike. And I was like, nope, that's 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 my boy right there. That's. The man himself started out as a Buffalo Bill, keeping true to his roots, still signed on another NFL team. On another team. At, at a playoff game for his Bills with a shirt off in the stands with fans taking pictures, losing his shit, guzzling beer. I fucking loved it, dude. I saw um, it was a picture of it, and it was basically turned into a meme, but it was like, you know, who other like what other fan base can have this you know and it's true bill's mafia yeah yeah. they're they're a different breed up there in buffalo man like everything from the 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 jumping through tables throwing dildos on the field well i was gonna ask did you see the dildo did you see it on the i I, I saw i saw it and i I saw it live Oh, I didn't see it live. I, like, I had to like rewind <laughs> and like, like, I actually a, took pictures because, and then I was like, well, of course it's going to make it out. But like, I saw it live, Bourne had the touchdown, Yeah. and then I was like, wait, did I just see, and then I was like rewinding, and then it like, I wasn't rewinding very well, I'm kind of an idiot, and then, uh, I was like, oh, well, screw it. And then it showed a replay, and it was there again, so yeah, yeah I finally snapped a couple pictures, and then finally like saw it all over the place, and saw some stations... Um, I think ESPN, but I don't know. Some stations were showing the replay, and it was gone. It wasn't they, <laughs> they edited it Disney out. Disney, make sure there's no right, dildos. In right, it. right. Yeah, somebody was like, "Hey, did you see the dildo on uh, the football?" This is the I was like, "Is that Mahomes' brother down there?" Yeah. <laughs> when you sent me that, you were like, "I was dying." Because he's a dildo. He is Fuck for that. sure. <laughs> Man, the Bengals win a playoff game. For the first time since 1991. Good for them. Dude, that's great. They looked good. Offense looked efficient. Not quite as good as it's been the last couple of weeks, but uh, they scored on six drives, I think six out of seven or something like that. I I mean, Chase had a great game, has over 100 yards, kept his rookie season going strong. Um, They were awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, they looked they looked really good. I'm I'm so excited for Burrow, man. Like I just liked kind of his cut coming out of college, his whole the way he ran that offense. Uh, part of me was like, well, is it coaching? Is it you know? Is it just all the weapons around him? But no, like he's he's the real deal, man. And and he's for real. he's cool on the field. Uh, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't buckle under the pressure. And I I'm just really excited to see where his career goes because he is really good. And boy, does he have a loaded offense. Yeah, yeah. I um friend of the show, Greg, or old Greg, old Greg, um, he sent me a text shortly after the game, and I just find it hilarious. Um, this year, this right now, is the first time ever that people could send a text <laughs> yeah, about a Bengals win. I did see that. Their last win was in 1991, and the first text went out in 1992. Yep. So there's never been a text before that said Bengals win a playoff game. It's going to be part of history, man. For re- I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, for some of the younger folks, texting's been around their entire life. For you and I, yeah. I remember it. I remember when texting started. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, it was a... I was like, who's ever going to use this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you had to so do the T9 keys and everything. Right, right, right. 
I love where they do that sometimes on memes. They're like, what does this mean? It's like four, four, eight, 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 <laughs> yeah. eight three, three. And it's, yeah. it's like, I know what that yeah. is. Um, car looked pretty good, though, right? Uh, so I, I can't say for sure because I watched the first half of the game and then I hit the road. Okay. And I, was, I was going to see Tool. I've always wanted oh, to see Tool. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, Great Tool. show. Side note, Tool fucking rocks in concert. Go check them out if you ever get a chance. Um, so I, wasn't, I didn't get to watch that game, just like I didn't get to watch too much of the Bills in uh, uh, Patriots game. It was just kind of on the background. I saw the score and I laughed and then I kept rocking out until my fucking head hurt. Um, but from what I saw, a car, um, it, it was mostly the first half. He looked like he was trying so hard to get something going, but it just, whether it was drops or bouncing off the hands of his receivers into the arms of somebody else or, or just, he didn't seem comfortable back there to me. I, uh, I thought he looked okay. I thought he played, I thought he, I mean, he is what he is, I feel like. I think know? that's a better, that's the best way to put it. Because I, also, I wasn't expecting to look at that game to analyze Derek Carr. No. Like, no, I know what I'm know. getting with him. That, so, it was like, okay, he runs around um, and he throws a, a pass a little too hot to a receiver. Um, I just expect that. So, I wasn't really breaking down Carr very much. Uh, I do know that it was close at the end of the game because my father-in-law was dead in his soul in the back seat of the car because he's a diehard Raiders fan and that kind of brought me a little bit of joy so did you see the early whistle play have you seen those highlights? so we were talking about that and I, again I didn't see it live but I went back and I watched it and to me like the way you described it I thought his foot was like right on the line or something it wasn't even close he was a good several inches away there was plenty of green in that and I, to, to not blow that fucking whistle and I know that hearing the whistle through the cameras and through the recording devices it's going to be a little bit delayed as of what they're getting live on the field. Yeah. But, man, I don't, I don't know, like, Raiders fans, and not all of you, you guys, calm yeah. down. <laughs> but there's a select large amount of you yeah. <laughs> that are worried that that cost you the game. And More than half. Yeah. More than and, half of the and, ones I've talked to. And it just, I mean, you guys still gave up the touchdown. Like, I understand, <laughs> I, I understand the rules. The ball should have been dead, and they replayed that down. I, I understand that that is technically the the rules of the game, but that whistle didn't prevent that touch. I, like it wasn't like the defense wasn't going to give it up. Yeah, the, there was a whistle, and they gave it up. Yeah. So my my thought on it was, oh, they blew the whistle, so the defense let up. And then after I watched the replay, that's absolutely not what happened. There was nobody the, anywhere that yeah. would have made a difference. And the, the ball was already halfway to who caught, who caught that touch? It was halfway to Boyd. them, Boyd, um, before the whistle was yeah. heard. So yeah. like, th there's no way. I can't say there's no way, but there's a very minimal percentage chance that that whistle being blown made any impact on that actual play happening. So if I, I understand, you know, they got the tuck rule getting screwed out of this and screwed out of that and tuck everything rule, like 100%. that. And the, so they have a history of, of feeling screwed out of playoff wins, but I, I don't see that one here, man. I was like, and you were giving up that touchdown. You, you, <laughs> you were giving up the touchdown for sure. I think that if, I think the Bengals would have had a bigger gripe I yeah. like the gripe would have been bigger oh. if they replayed that down yeah. and not had given them the touchdown. Yeah. Then the Raiders have a gripe to say that that whistle cost them the touchdown. Yeah, because Burrow was obviously inbounds. And, <laughs> and there was no defense around yeah. the receiver. Yeah. And the whistle was late. I mean, there was just so many things. Yeah. The other thing that, you know, of course, when you're the team that loses, you don't take it all into account. But 
I mean, it would have been third down again. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would have got that. They could have scored on that next play. Yeah. It would have been fourth down. They would have kicked a field goal. So, you know, I heard people like, if it wasn't for that play, we'd be going to <laughs> overtime right now. It's like, no, if it no, wasn't for that play, no. you'd be down by three. Now, I know that, yeah. that, I know that, that changes yeah. the, the game. Three's changes. easier than it's, seven yeah, to get. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You play for a field goal to go and over instead of playing for a touchdown. Yeah. I understand that. But ugh, to, to throw a fit over that. Yeah, it's – see, <laughs> it's been so long since my team's been in the playoffs in a competitive game. I, don't, I wish I could bitch about something. <laughs> 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 so I guess they always have that to fall back on. We got screwed more than anybody. So, I stand by though. If they would have taken that touchdown off, the Bengals would have been screwed more. Oh, hundred percent. I'm I'm with you with that a thousand times out of a thousand because yeah. that was a it was a bullshit whistle. It was a bullshit yeah. whistle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, Tom I'm Bur- actually more surprised that they fixed it because like, right, yeah. which is kind of I mean that part is kind of annoying as an NFL fan yeah. to get together. I feel like. Unfortunately, they should have done the right thing and called the ball dead. I think that letting it go was the right, like, was correct. I mean, yeah. it didn't, you know, it was correct. But there is kind of an argument to be made that if they are going to get together and they are going to talk about it, like, well, it's maybe so, you should get it right. It's the whole philosophy. Do you do what's right or do you follow the letter of the law? Because a lot of the times those don't, those don't you line up perfectly. True. The Calvin Johnson True. catch is the most glaring thing of that. It's like... Well, by the letter of the rules, that wasn't a touchdown. Where anybody who watches it in their entire life will always know that's a touchdown. But so it's it, I was that's why I mean I was surprised that they did yeah, the right that's, thing. That's here. a good point. Yeah, but um, Tom Brady is still good. Fucking a, he is damn. Uh, Mike Evans, Gronk, they looked really good. I was so happy to see Mike Evans just back at like what he was before. I mean, Godwin was, Godwin was good when he was drafted. They knew he was going to be good. But Mike Evans is an alpha receiver. It's just a fun fucking thing to watch. He's a, he's a beast, man. He's a beast. He, so he's, and he's such a nice, like, team-oriented player, too. He doesn't mind. Uh, he doesn't pitch about Godwin getting all the targets. He didn't nope. pitch about Antonio Brown. Cut, right? Yeah, because he knows what's good for the team. But it's good to see, like, oh, yeah, it's my turn. I'm going to go get this shit. Don't worry. I got it, guys. Wasn't, he, wasn't there a, a video of him or something at, like right after the Super Bowl where he was like, we're all taking pay cuts, we're all coming back, or something <laughs> where he was just like, let's do it again, yeah. everybody come uh, back, you know? Yeah. Um, just for those of you that are starting to hear names for rookies, um, if you like Mike Evans, just remember the name Drake London. That's all I'm going to say. Drake London, yeah. Very, very good. Um, Jalen Hurts, man, I, he hurts. Yeah. <laughs> No other way to put it, man. He uh, was rough. Yeah. So uh, they they targeted a quarterback this offseason? Nope. 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 <laughs> Definitely not. They came out yesterday and hung their hat on Jalen Hurts. Did you see that? I saw the clip of it. I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing, man. They came out and said they wanted to see Jalen grab the bull by the horns, and he did that. Grab the bullshit by the horns like this. It was a bullshit game. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, he had a good fantasy season. Yeah. I mean, he got into the playoffs. Yeah. But he's just. I mean, he's unreliable as a passer. It's he had tough. Just over fifty percent completion rating in this game. He's twenty-three of forty-three, two hundred fifty yards. He did have a touchdown. 
two interceptions and a fumble, though. That's 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 a tough pill to swallow in playoff football. There was football. a couple where I was watching where he like had a guy with you know two yards separation streaking down the left sideline and overthrew him by six yards. Do like, you think this game would have been more competitive with Gardner Minshew as a quarterback? Yes. Me too. Yes. I think Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback for an NFL team yes. than Jalen Hurts is. I, I will agree with you on that. they not even hesitate. And I, I love Gardner Minshew. Like, he's, he's a fun personality. He's fun to watch. Um, and I try not to let that get in the way of, of how I look at these two quarterbacks. But just as an NFL quarterback, you're right. Like, he, he would have been better. Um, I, th- I think that Gardner Minshew is the kind of quarterback that your team goes 9-8, and 10-7, and 7-10 seven, seven and 10 every year. Just right there. He can, he can win you any game, and he can lose he, you any Yeah, game. I was going to say, he's going to be like the type of guy who you're going to love one game. You're like, that's my guy. And the next week, you're going to be like, what the fuck was he thinking? <laughs> Where Jalen Hurts just did that. So I understand, yeah. you know, the argument of that. But... Jalen Hurts just, I don't know, relies on, I mean, he has to have big plays either with him running or even a big play that was a, that he completed, which you're always, you know, that's always like yeah. risky. You don't even know if he's going to be able to do that. And I think Gardner Minshew can at least consistently move the ball. Yeah. At the, at the beginning of the year, I remember us talking about Jalen Hurts, and I was like, I, I don't mind seeing what this year does. And at the end of the year, it's almost like we're at, at square one because you have the same argument. He made the playoffs. They made the playoffs. That's, that's something that's, that's an accomplishment, you know. But then he didn't show me any growth. He didn't show right. me any, any processing of defenses, any accuracy improvements, any smarter decision-making. Um, he just stayed, stayed the same quarterback through the whole year. That's actually that's, – I feel exactly the same way about – him that I did going into last year, <laughs> yeah. and you're right. Yeah, it's it's the same exact way. I think he should lose his job at any moment. I think he's a great fantasy asset to have on your team. Yeah. He can clearly be a top ten fantasy quarterback, and I understand that. I mean, but you know, how many have we seen that going into the last four minutes of the game, he's quarterback twenty eight. Yeah, and then the last, you know couple garbage yeah because they're down you know they're down, they're down so big. bad he will come back and then oh my gosh he was quarterback nine yeah and you think it was a great game yeah off the and back then, of 50 yards rushing on the last on a prevent fucking defense right. <laughs> or as you know another game that they win he had a 70 yard rushing touchdown that set him ahead and he completed a long pass accidentally and yeah 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 where it's more like you know, a little little 15-yard down the field pass to Goddard who breaks it loose for 40 after that. You right, know? right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with Hurts, man. I, 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 I wish that they would just pursue a quarterback so I could know what to do with that, that team because he's such a question mark for everybody on there. Devontae Smith, the running game, like Goddard, he's a question mark for everybody. Yeah, for reals. Uh, 49ers. Hung on by a literal second <laughs> to beat the Cowboys. Um, what, what a game! It, yeah, I, it really was. Uh, what did you think of the last play, dude? I was I was sitting here. Uh, I was at work and I was watching the game on the big screen, and it was like 
it, everything seemed to be working working in the Cowboys' favor at that point. Like they they were moving the ball down. The, first of all, they got the ball back, which was crazy. I thought Debo had that first down, um, but they got the ball back, and then he breaks loose a play like that, and you see they had you know what 14 seconds on the clock. Yeah. You see a play like that, and you're like, okay, this this is going to be close, but this is something NFL teams do. Right. Like this is shit. He got to the field goal position, he fell down. And then, and then it all just went haywire the last, like, five seconds. Like, he runs and gives the ball to the center instead of the ref. And I'm not an NFL player, and even I know, like, dude, the ref's got to have that ball. They, right. You can't just give it to your center and be like, this right. is where we're going to spot it, guys. Okay, cool, hike. No, like, the ref has to fucking have that ball to spot it. And, um, yeah, like, they, they, didn't, they didn't make room for him to get through, so he's, like, stumbling through the O-line like he's, like he's a running back trying to get, get to the ball. And then next thing you know, it's, the clock's winding down and winding down. He's trying to get everybody set, no penalties, hike, zeros. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy watching it because, yeah, giving the ball back to them was, you know, incredibly tough to, you know, I thought Debo had the first down, yeah. and then they looked at it again, and he didn't. I yeah. believe he didn't. It was a correct call. Then we had the... Um, quarterback sneak, which clearly got oh, a yeah. yard and a half. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, somebody moved before the ball. Showed it again. Clearly the right call. He moved. I get, you know, so it was tough to punt the ball back. But they had a long way to go. But then we were just, I'm sorry, I say we as the 49ers. 49ers, <laughs> 49ers faithful, buddy. Giving up the sideline like it was ridiculous yeah. just what they were giving up. And they moved, you know, 35, 40 yards in eight seconds or something like that. Finally, you can see the defense moves to the sidelines. Like, we're not going to give up the sidelines yeah. anymore. And so I'm like, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm standing up, sitting down, you know, doing all this stuff, watching the game. I'm like, okay. But I was like, okay, now the middle of the field's open. What does that mean? Like, if they try to go deep, we'll be able to get there. Okay, we'll be fine. And he rushes right up the middle. And instantly I was like, oh, what a good play. Yeah, yeah. What a good play. Luckily... They actually needed a touchdown, not a field goal. So they needed yeah, the, they, know, they, it, yeah. they had to get in. But I was just like, what a good play. Because, you know, he's picking up. So now it's not really a Hail Mary. Now it's more of a throw into the end zone. Yeah. You know, like you can run routes. You can run <laughs> routes and you know, um, and you're not heaving it, you're actually throwing yeah. it. Yeah. So I was stressed, you know, I was just I I just remember being like, God, what a good play. And then, yeah, people started to go, and the ref, you know, you can see him running, and he, he, like, collides with Dak. Yeah. And I'm just like, what what are they doing? Like, why are they not letting him what, – what are they doing? Yeah. You know, remember the earlier in the season, the Chase Claypool yeah, scored exactly. the first down and then did the first down yeah. mark and dropped the ball? <laughs> yeah. And the entire, you know, fantasy – well, just sports yeah. casting world shit on him. Oh, yeah being, you know, how bad of a team player he is, how he's such an idiot, he's going to cost him a game, if he doesn't pull his head out of his ass, he's going to be out of the league, and all that stuff, and to have both your center and your quarterback right. just ready to go, Here we're trying to hike it, what are you doing here, it was so weird. Yeah, yeah, and the, what really shocked me too is like, after the game, obviously, it's the first question asked. And they said, oh, we practiced this. I heard that, too. And it's yeah. like, how do you practice this and not know to give the ball to it, the rest? That has to be coach speak. That's that has to be all, the same thing. Of, Trevor Lawrence doesn't know how to run the quarterback sneak. Yeah. I, 
dude, you, you, can't, you can't say you... So if, if the coach is saying they practice that, you're admitting that you failed. Right. Because if you practice right. that, that has to be a focal point in that... It's situational football. You know there's no time coming up. You know everything that you can do to cut out any amount of time wasted. That's what situational football is at that point. Do streamline everything. You should have been looking for that ref to run and give him the ball instead of even waiting for him to get up there. We're talking about a 50-something-year-old ref. You think he's going to run as fast as a 20-something-year-old right. premier athlete to get up? You know he's going to be behind you. So you know you have to make room on that line to let him through. Like, all of that shit is easy, you know, for me to say as a guy sitting here on a chair, but that's like you get paid millions of dollars to coach players this shit. That is something that should have been coached, especially if they're saying they practiced it. And, and he starts off behind you and then doesn't know you're going to do that. So he's not even going to take off right. trying to get to you yeah. until you're considerably far ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was really bad. And then I, I kind of did like, you know, again, I'm, I'm a Niners fan, keep it out there, but... Cowboys fans the same way or like that's just you know blah 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 why do they have to touch it it's like well man you guys were all off sides when you spotted the ball yeah so if you guys <laughs> yeah, would have right. hiked it like, yeah because unfortunately he's spotting it with the guy on the line yeah like and he tucked it back like yeah. a good eight inches from where you guys all were so yeah. you all would have been off sides five second runoff you're out of time anyways yeah um, there's a guy, Jason Smith, at How About a Fresca on Twitter, and he basically said that because the game shouldn't end because of a ref couldn't spot the ball and because it's the Cowboys and they'll probably get a rule change. <laughs> which I hope not. I mean, that'll make it very uh, college-level, first down, stops the clock type of thing. I don't um, want that at all. Yeah, I think that I think teams just need to be more aware, and I think that, I think that teams should practice that yeah. play I think and should practice trying to spot the ball with three seconds to go. Yeah, that was an execution. Yeah, it's an execution thing that was wrong. Nothing wrong with the rule. Nothing wrong with the way that the rule book plays out there. And McCarthy has such a history of fucking up the time. Exactly. That's like, that. that's his thing is clock management and everything like that. So clock for man- this to happen in a playoff game where they've had their best team in since basically what Dak and Zeke's rookie year would yeah. so to to see their playoff hopes squandered off time management or a time clock issue is just you know damn if you didn't see the writing on the wall with him coming out of the Green Bay then geez. and I went and looked back at I just you know googled McCarthy time mistakes and there was timeouts he was taking in in Green Bay there were the one I read was like a zero zero game a few years you know years ago when he was in zero zero game against the Vikings when they're both you know competitive teams trying to win the division and he, they have the ball kind of deep in their territory the Vikings do and um, they basically run to run the clock out uh-huh. so he hits them with a timeout and uh, they're like oh all right. So they march down into field goal range, use their timeouts, and kick a field goal to make it 3-0 at halftime. I don't. I didn't look to see what game it was. I don't know what you know how it played out. But if it's a 0-0 game going into halftime, yeah, they're just like, running the ball like just, and they're ready to you know and yeah, all types of that stuff. Using timeouts wrong, doing stuff like this, not being able to get kickers in. I mean, boo on him. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on Jimmy G? Do you think that... Uh, so I, mean, I, have, I have some really mixed thoughts on him because, one, I mean, he had 
he had what 100, 170 yards for the game. Yeah, something no like touchdowns. Yeah. Um, like I think fantasy points he was under five. Yeah, rather than great. And but then at the same time, like when they made their Super Bowl run, he was god awful in the playoffs. Yeah. So if he's just functioning this offense, and or or you know making it functional and not trying to do too much. Um, then you just golden rule, give the ball to Debo, super right, easy. For sure. Then, then I think he's, he still has it in him to, to make a Super Bowl run, but then he had that one just dipshit interception. Yeah, it was bad. You know what it I mean? It, where the game, like, you're, you could close the game out. You could be yep. done. Like, yep. that's all, all you got to do is, is not do what he did. <laughs> and, and he fucking did it. So, um, I mean, if he, if he makes it to another Super Bowl, he's going to be a huge off-season acquisition for somebody because they're going to have a two-time Super Bowl-appearing quarterback. Either way, he's, a, he's already won in the playoffs once, so like right. he's still going to be a good acquisition. But, I mean, as a Niner fan, do you have faith in him leading your team to the promised land? Yes and no. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? <laughs> I had more... That interception was bad, but I had more faith in him to make the third down throws he was making in the the second and longs and making him short third downs. I don't know. In that game, I had more faith than I had in a while. Uh, the interception was god-awful, and it sucked, and it ruined it. But, I mean, even then, he I felt he was making the right, I, you know, right decision to roll out, and it just it was just a bad throw. It floated on what he was trying to do. Um, and, yeah, the stats aren't there. But the winning is, you know, yeah. he, and I don't know. I, I I don't think we're good enough on defense to make a run against Green Bay and, you know, Tampa Bay probably. I don't know for sure. Or even the, you know, I mean, we did just beat the Rams, but that's kind of a division game. Those kind of go different. Yeah, and the second half of this game, like, their defense was carrying them. And then Bosa, Bosa got hurt in the second quarter, is that right? Yeah. And, I and mean, talk about yeah, talk about a player that makes a difference. I mean, Bosa's a game record. Warner's game record, dude. Those are two just elite talents on defense that you didn't have now. So, again, it brings me back to a couple years ago where if they can run the ball now with Elijah Mitchell, and Debo, yeah. uh, little screen pass to Kittle as long as he doesn't try to get too cute and fumble the ball. Uh you know, I think Jimmy G can get him there. It's just, it, it, it seems like the whole team can get to the Super Bowl if Jimmy G doesn't fuck it up. I think, <laughs> yes. I think, though, for us to get to the Super Bowl, we almost have to play a perfect game and a perfect game, and to win the Super Bowl would be another perfect game. And I mean that as a team game. You yeah. know, Debo has to run the ball well. Mitchell has to run the ball well. We have to, you know, play good defense. We have to have a couple turnovers. We have to not have turnovers. The other teams, especially in the NFC, Rodgers can overcome a turnover. He too. can come Rogers from behind. can yeah. come from behind, yeah. down, you know, whatever number. Yeah. Tom Brady can overcome. Tom Brady can come back, you know, you, there was a moment when that interception happened and we were going and I was like, okay. I think we had punted after the interception and I was just like, okay, I need them to go down and score so that we can have the ball again last. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, God, last. <laughs> like, you know, where you don't have those thoughts with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Yeah, I was going to say the, the other quarterbacks still in the playoffs for the NFC, like I would count on any of them to – 
to come back from a deficit in the fourth quarter. Right. You got Stafford, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And then Jimmy is not under that category for me. Right. 100%. 100%. Um, a quarterback that is in that category, the Chiefs uh, demolished the Steelers. I mean, oh. It was a 0-0 game going into the second quarter. And then with about six minutes left, the, the Chiefs exploded. Uh, I guess actually um, T.J. Watt had a fumble recovery. They yeah. picked up, ran back for a touchdown, yeah. so they were down seven. And then I saw the stat was something. It was like ten minutes of game time. So yeah. it was like from the six-minute mark to yes. about the – 10 minute mark or so of the next quarter and they put up five touchdowns yeah it was it was one of those it it was it was awesome to see because it's something something that like we associated with Mahomes first year as a starter where like this shit was pretty regular you'd be like holy crap this is insane this is the greatest show on turf 2.0 and then um we didn't you know they calmed it down a little bit the Super Bowl winning year uh uh, this year um, they've seen vulnerable and everything, so it was kind of cool to see that again. And boy, was it quick! I I actually missed half of them because right, I was right. eating. I was like at the dinner table for 15 minutes eating, and then I go back in there and Mahomes has three touchdowns. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Did here? you happen to see the touchdown to the lineman? Oh yeah, that was pretty awesome. Did you <laughs> see? Did you see Tyreek? So so the way that play went down, Tyreek scored a touchdown. Yeah, and then they reviewed it and said he was down at the like one foot line yeah um so they took the touchdown off the board ran another play i heard mahomes said that the the o line was his fourth read (laughs) he said he was like supposed to go to the flat and then he looked and he looked at tyreek and then he just like fourth guy lineman was just standing there wide open but my favorite part of the whole thing was tyreek they should you know just showed it on tv was so happy and yeah. so excited for the lineman. Yeah. And I love to see that because he literally just lost a touchdown. Yep. You know, and you see guys sometimes pout over that or demand the ball right after that because they got you down there. Yeah. And not only, you know, did Tyreek not do any of that, he was so like he, he was, was the first kid. guy. He was he the was, first guy there yeah. jumping around. And he was <laughs> so you could tell how giddy he was. He yeah. Was like, jumping 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 up in his face and like hitting him on the helmet i really like to see that out of tyreek yeah i um (laughs) i think i think there's nothing more energizing for for a team than an o-lineman scoring a touchdown i I don't know what it is like first of all those o-line guys they're doing the dirty work for everybody needs them to do their job to do their job better and and they never get the glory you know so when one of those guys gets a touchdown the whole team loses their shit and you're right i did notice the first person there was tyreek little fella just jumping up and down and slapping him upside the helmet just the biggest smile on his face and if that doesn't scream team player in like a a nice team culture i don't know what does i guess that's just what andy reed brings you know he has all always been like a team builder uh players type of coach and and it really shines through with with tyreek there it it was it was it was good to see and it sucks to see because i don't want the chiefs winning all the time again because they're in the chargers division but holy crap if you can't if you can't get some enjoyment from excellence like they put out there then i don't i don't know why you're watching football exactly no i i agreed yeah it was really good to see kelsey's really good still yeah, Kelsey is good too. Did you see how it, it, it was it four or five games in a row with a hundred yards? Yeah, like I he. Don't know the exact I mean, he's the only tight end to do it, and he tied the NFL record. I forget who the other two people to do it. I know one was Antonio Brown, 
and the other person is also incredibly good. But uh, oh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like the, you got your tight end there uh, getting 100 yards a game for for four or five games straight. That's that's pretty badass. Big Ben done right. I mean, he's Dude, pretty much said he, he is. He was dead two weeks ago, man. Yeah, three weeks ago actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a weird. I don't know. There's a weird thing, you know. There's Ben's always had, you know, the stigma of what happened in that bathroom years and years ago, <laughs> and and yet I enjoy, especially in this era, when guys stay with one team and are the like, you know. I mean, he is the Steelers. Yeah. You know, that's like twenty years. Twenty years. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's jeez. Just about. And three Super Bowls, two Super Bowl wins. We have employees like, that aren't that old. <laughs> So I kind of think it would be good for the Steelers to bring a guy like Jimmy G in and maybe draft a guy. Draft a guy that's going to sit for a year or two. I mean, that would kind of suck for Jimmy G. He'd be the new Tyrod Taylor. Maybe they'd have to lie to him (laughs) and tell him that's not their plan. But I just don't think the Steelers are a team that want to go rookie quarterback that's not super – I don't know, not super talented. But you know what I mean? They went rookie quarterback with Ben, but he – was amazing. Yeah, what is first first year's 15 and 1? Yeah, exactly. So. That that you can't count on that all the time, shocker. But you're right, they're not in a rebuild. Right, they're they're right. they're incredibly talented. I mean, TJ was fucking insane. Yeah. You, you got you got strength on the defense. You got Najee running back who came out of the came out of college a little bit older, so your window's a little bit smaller with him. You've got a great receiving core, Pat Firemuth at tight end. Um, their O-line definitely needs some help. That's yeah, that's the big sure. change between, you know, the dominant Steeler years and now. So if they can address the O-line in the draft and then maybe pick up a free agent quarterback, I think Jimmy G would be an amazing fit there, honestly. Right. Um, then they could get, you know, a good two, three-year run out of the players they have now while rebuilding in the process, maybe somewhere down the line, maybe after a year or two of Jimmy drafting a quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that they're, they're ready to win. Right. I think Ben held them back, obviously, this year quite a bit. But I also don't put that all on him. Their O-line was really bad this year, which is hard to say yeah. about a Steelers team because that's always been their bread and butter. But Pouncey's gone and, like, all those other big, huge beasts they yeah, had on the Dylan O-line. Dave, yeah, Villanova went to yeah, uh, Baltimore. The, yeah, Ravens. And that dude's a fucking monster. <laughs> it's just Tomlin is such a badass coach. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see Tomlin – hit that two and 15 and you know I don't want Tomlin to go through what Belichick went to Belichick I wanted to see it yeah well even when I mean crap they didn't even have a losing record when they were starting Tomlin has never had a losing yeah so I mean they had the year where Ben was out and they were they went eight and eight yeah and that was tough. That was some shit quarterback play. They were down to their third stringer at some yeah, point Mason that year. Yeah, Rudolph, who is going to be so good next year. Like, he is going to be a stud. I have him. Send me offers if you're in my league. He is going to be amazing. It's the next Big Ben. <laughs> Super Bowl winning. We had our first Monday night playoff game, and the Rams blow out the Cardinals. Holy shit, that was. wasn't even close. Yeah. It was cool, though. Matt Stafford got his first playoff win, which took him off most of the blank amount of somethings without a playoff win list. He was, he was leading the all of them. touchdowns without yeah. a playoff win, the most wins without a playoff yeah. win, most all that stuff. Yeah. So that's awesome. He got off the list. He now has a playoff win. Good for him. Um, OBJ and Cup both had TDs. They looked good. 
OBJ actually threw a bomb, and I think it was a 40-yard bomb to Cam, Cam Akers. Cam Akers, dude. Who, Cam Akers, man, he looked good. He looked really, really good. He looked really fast. Yes, exactly. He looked really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, he... he ran over Buda Baker. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, that was that was a brutal hit. And, yeah. And it wasn't even... Like, you see sometimes where, you know, it's a stumble and they lean their body into it or something, but he was targeting to run over somebody. He wanted he wanted to, to run over somebody to get to the end zone. He didn't quite make it. He was down at, like, a couple-yard yeah, line or something. Yeah. But he successfully ran over that poor human being who then had to be taken to the hospital. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. you never want to see that. But holy crap, did Cam Akers look explosive. He looked, he looked great, man. Yeah, I think he had 90 yards yeah. combined. He had the 40-yard catch yeah nine, had, 95 yards yeah 50 yeah. something yards i mean it was it was great did you see the long bomb that uh stafford threw to van jefferson yeah uh it was almost a no look pass yeah did you, did you see that yeah, yeah yeah he was looking so far left so far left and then like i felt like he threw it and his arm was already going before <laughs> he actually looked yeah. to the right and was it dime? dime yeah down I mean, the yeah, field down the field top, too it was yeah yeah, Stafford's always been incredibly talented. Arm talent, uh, big arm, smart quarterback, but he's also been in so many situations where he has to come from behind and just be that gunslinger and sort of reckless with the ball by necessity. And that's turned into a lot of interceptions, and, and he's had some bonehead picks this year and everything, but it's so good to see him in a position where he doesn't single-handedly have to win the game. That defense yeah. is fucking insane. Defense <laughs> is so good. I mean, they... They held, I think I looked, yeah, Arizona had 183 yards of offense. Yeah. I mean, Arizona, who had been just putting points on everybody. Yeah. Uh, Kyler, he only had 137 yards he passing. so bad. The running backs just were very mediocre. I mean, they had a couple, you know, there was a couple plays where they're like, oh, that's a good run, or oh, that's good, but, I mean, could never go, could never put anything together more than one run here, one pass there. Yeah, which is unfortunate because James Conner did look, he looked good. I yeah, mean, when, yeah, when he had sure. the ball, like, I still think, I, I am, you know, being selfish, but I hope he's their main back next year. I think he's got more power, more strength running through people, uh, good vision, better, well, not a better pass catcher, but he's a good enough pass catcher where I think uh, he should be getting the majority of the touches over Chase Edmonds. Oh, for sure. Also send trades to Miyagi Poka. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How much do you think is missing Nuke? Dude, I, I think, honestly, I think it's a big part. And even, you know, the, you have those players where um, you can say, you know, they're, they're better for an NFL team than a fantasy team. And Nuke's one of those things. He's both. He's great fantasy relevant. And defenses, they have to change their whole philosophy when he's That's, on the field. Yeah. Like, everything about the defense changes when Nuke's on the field. Like I think, in, I mean, as simple as every cornerback covers a different guy. Yes. You know, it's Nuke, who is a number one alpha stud, everything. And then everybody else on that team is like a wide receiver two and a half at best. Yeah. So trying to have A.J. Green be the so-called alpha. Yeah, he's just not that anymore. Trying to have Kirk, you know, just none of it, you know, without – Hopkins, the defense just can cover everybody. Yeah, they can tee of. up on them. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they can spread evenly instead of focusing on one and leaving everywhere else kind of thin. And yeah. that's why, you know, Christian Kirk was having a decent year earlier because people could scheme for DeAndre Hopkins and Kirk would be open. But he right. can't handle double coverage. He can't handle a safety being over him. 
um, that can close in on them fast. It, normally that safety would be having to, to drift towards where Nuke is. Right, for And, sure. um, you know, without that there, and it, I don't know, so obviously that makes a huge difference on how a defense plays, but Kyler Murray looked shitty. Yeah. He looked bad. He was making, he looked scared. He looked like, you know, not to compare him to Sam Tartle all those years ago, but like he was seeing ghosts. He was just scared. He didn't look comfortable. Um, he was sketchy as hell in a pocket. He looked like he was just waiting to get tackled instead of being able to read a defense and, and you know, go through his progressions. And that one pick six in the end zone, that was, that was like, that was god awful. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I sent you after the game, too. I sent you that meme. It's so sad about <laughs> A.J. Green spent all those years in Cincinnati with no playoff wins. So he, he leaves Cincinnati, goes to Arizona. Arizona's killing it. Cincinnati gets their first playoff win in 30-plus years. Yeah. And then his team just gets blown out. Blown out. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's sad because I like A.J. Green, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, It's just, I mean, maybe he's a curse. Who knows? <laughs> A um, couple injuries for the week, nothing really major at all. Just have to keep mentioning Cam Akers. I think it's the third or fourth week in a row. But 95 yards from scrimmage, looked great, looked fast. I mean, six months removed. Yeah, and he's getting better every week. Yeah. They're, they're giving him more and more every week. And, you know, if it's any evidence by, you know, that Buda Baker run, he's wanting more and wanting to do more and get back into just being a physical, hardcore runner. Which, goddamn! I would love to hear on maybe our, our Facebook page or even our email, fantasyondraft at gmail.com. If you traded for Cam Akers, we'd love to hear some of the trades, some of the stuff you got, because I know people were buying him low or at least buying him for less than what he's worth now. So we'd love to hear it. I got him thrown in on a trade. Instead of a second rounder, he threw in Cam Akers. So I guess that's yeah, there equal, you go. equal to a second rounder. I'll take that every day. There you Actually, go. Actually, I did that also yeah, with Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just real quick, this week's show is brought to you by A&J Party Center, which is a party supply and rental shop. They have party supplies and rentals for all sizes of gatherings from weddings, birthdays, prom, graduation parties, to grand openings, conferences, conferences, and more. They have a great selection of party supplies and rentals, and they'll happy deliver to your next occasion. Located here in Chico, California, 1801 Esplanade, Chico, California. Find them online at www.ajparty.com. We are gonna get into our rookie player profile, this week, we are profiling Isaiah Spiller. He's a junior running back at Texas A&M. He's six foot one, 225 pounds. He is currently 20 years old and will be 21 at the start of the season. His current ADP is number two overall, and he is running back two currently. Uh, 2021, he had 179 attempts for 1,011 yards which was 5.6 yards per attempt. He had six touchdowns. He also had caught 25 balls for 189 yards and a touchdown. Miyagi, we watched some tape this week. What do you think? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun watching this tape because it brought in a whole lot of different aspects of uh, breaking down an NFL prospect player that I didn't get to experience with 
um, Brees Hall. Um, so I, I kind of looked further into his college stats a little bit, and two things kind of broke out to me. Um, he never uh, had over 200 attempts, and you know he had 179 this year, and I think just at 170 the year before. Similar thousand yards rushing, but um, 200 attempts that's that's a pretty easy threshold to break for most uh, college prospect running backs in college. Um, again, I didn't go back and look at each one of those games to see if one of them was a blowout or if there was the defense was just dominating so bad they were hardly on the field or anything. I do know that last, not this year, but last year, he did only play in 10 games. Okay. Was that injury-related? I don't know the answer to okay. that. Um, and uh, he didn't demand over 50% of the running back touches, and that's kind of something that stands out to me because if you want a NFL-caliber stud running back that you're taking with a number two overall, I, I do want to see them be able to grab that job and just, you know, for the pun, run with it, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I, I did notice that when I was looking at his stats, and then I started breaking down his film. Um, and I'll start with the things I really love. There's was, there was a lot to love about this guy. So I loved his footwork. He's incredibly nimble on his feet and creates space and traffic, like, with ease. You know, just a couple little stutter steps here, side shifts, and, you know, he can have six people around him and make five of them miss and then get past the fifth one as he's running past them or sixth one. Um, so his footwork is amazing. I really, really liked watching his footwork. Uh, he uses his blocks well. He knows where the offensive line scheme is, and he's quick to his blockers, waits for them to process that block, and then follows them down the field, and then you know picks picks the right time to to accelerate past those blockers too. Doesn't just try to get past them to get to the next level and then run into you know everything there. Uh, his cut ability is outstanding. Um, he is you know he can he can do a jump cut, you'll yeah. move laterally like three yards with one cut. It's uh, it's impressive to see his cut ability. And he's got really good level one vision. This is, again, the same as waiting for those blockers. Uh, he uses the line, sees the direction of the line movement, follows where he needs to go. Um, and uh, that's, that's a vital part of being able to run a scheme. You have to know where your, your line is going. So his vision there was, was very good. Um, the other thing I really, really liked about him is he sheds lower body tackles well. Like He keeps his balance. Uh, from the waist down through arms tackles incredibly easily. Like anything from the knees below, like good luck. He's He just runs right through that. So that's great, especially with nimble footwork like his, where he can make people miss and try to avoid those direct hit contacts. Um, I, think, I think with those types of uh, abilities, he has the potential of being a very explosive running back in the NFL. Yeah, I actually, you know, watched a lot of his tape and got a lot of what you're thinking, too. I will say, though, just over the 50% of touches, um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter um, last year at North Carolina, they were literally one touch apart. So oh, the 50-50 okay. thing can, you know, can people can work around that. Um, but, yeah, what I was watching, I loved his ability to get through small spaces. I felt like he didn't need much of a gap to hit the hole like, you know yeah. there was a couple plays where he it barely looked like there was a hole and he hit it hard hit it fast he gets skinny yeah he yeah. get real skinny yeah. there was one I, I don't remember it might have been uh auburn game i don't know but there was one where it even looked like his offensive lineman was in the hole and he kind of just like jumped over his leg and just hit the hole and, and, and took off uh i thought so i definitely only needed a tiny gap to get positive yards um, I thought he actually ran through arm tackles well. Um, I thought that that part, you know, if, if you didn't get more than an arm, I thought he could run through those pretty well. 
Um, his vision was really good. Um, he had really good vision, and he was really good at using his offensive line, um, kind of waiting for them to set a set a block and then and then go. Definitely had some wiggle, like you said. He could he could make some people miss. He had you know the cuts that could definitely spin people around and uh, do that. And he's definitely he's fast, but he's really quick. Um, he was quick through the line. His speed didn't seem like super fast. Um, yeah, I, he didn't have huge breakaway speed. Right. Like, yeah. I was watching. I, I told you I went and I went and watched some uh, Javante Williams 2019 tape or 2020 tape, and there was plays where he looked fat. Yeah. Like he hit the hole and was like gone rocket. Yeah. And so I didn't see that in Spiller. Um, but he was definitely fast, and, and, I mean, he did hit the hole fast. Yeah, I think something can be said, too. Like, when you say quick but not fast, like, that's a very good way of describing it because he's quick, he's yeah. shifty. Like, yeah. he can, you know, w- within a, a five-yard space, he's got some explosiveness, but then once he starts to break away, defenders can catch up to him. Um, he definitely is able to pass block. Um, that is definitely in his repertoire. Um, there was a couple times where he was supposed to chip and he missed. I saw that. There was a couple times where a guy was bigger and stronger than him. Yeah, it happens. But he was, I mean, he was getting his face in there on defensive ends. I mean, and even defensive line, linebackers coming on the blitz. Um, so that's an area that can be improved. It always is when you know rookies are coming in from college but his starting point is much higher than a lot of these guys coming in yeah and and i i'm i'm surprised i didn't write that down on my pros because i really did like his his pass blocking just the fact that they had him in there for those downs and then also um his route running like he's he's out there getting it you know that's what i would say he could in his his catch he definitely they threw him the ball a lot he made really good catches and had some good good yak he was good there was a couple where you know, he was out on the sideline and made a move or two to make the guy miss and then would pick up a, a, a big gain, you know, a good, you know, 15 yards, stuff like that. Um, I was listening um, to a podcast, uh, Ray GQ, I think it is. And um, he was talking about, he was breaking down tape and he was saying, you know, in the NFL, the, the, the four to nine yard runs are huge. Yeah. You know, that's the, those are what make, a running back. If yeah. you if you can make the four to nine yards, you know, over and over again, you're going to be a good running back because you're going to have those ones that go for 18, for 25, or you know. Yeah. And I felt like Spiller did a lot of that. Hit the line, boom, four yards. Hit through the line, six yards. Um, you know, there was some times where he wanted to bump it outside a bit, but overall, I I like him a lot. I he definitely looks like he can play in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, what do you think, uh, what cons did you have? What were you? So um, I went a little bit more in depth with the cons just because, and I'll be honest, like the, the contrast that I saw and like what I like in a running back from watching Brees Hall tape to Isaiah Spiller tape is significant. Like I really liked watching Brees Hall do certain aspects of, of running through people just uh, I really like him as a running back. So there was things that stood out from Isaiah Spiller that I didn't like so much. So um, I, I, I kind of focused a little bit more on that. And I don't want that to be taken as I think he's a bust or a shit running back or anything like that. I just, 
um, focused a little bit more on these because these are things that I did see with Breeze Hall with some other tape as well that I was seeing and I didn't see as much in him. Um, so to me, from what I was seeing, he was easily taken down by upper body tackles. Like he would run into somebody and basically just crumble. Um, and when you watch a power back, you know, with, like with his size, he has the ability to be a power back. Um, and you see them lower their shoulders and, you know, just take on defenders. Um, you like to see them move that pile. And, and to him, it seems like it's the opposite effect. Like, um, like you, you, you play Mario Kart. Anybody who plays Mario Kart, like when you race with Koopa Troopa and you run into Bowser and you just kind of right, bounce the right. fuck off, like that's the feeling I was getting when I would see him running into uh, linebackers or even corners and safeties. Like it wasn't even huge people he was running into and getting kind of taken back. Um, so for everything that I liked about his level one vision, um, he seems to lack in second level vision, which means um, he has a very good idea and understanding and visual process of where the O-line is going and the D-line, and he can maneuver to that next level very easily. But in some of the elite running backs, like what I saw with Brees Hall, is he would even get closer to that line to bring in that secondary vision. The linebackers have them bite even more, selling more into that line, having him fill those gaps that they think he's going to be going to, and then explode through a big cutback. And that can turn, like you were saying, you know, a, sure. a, a four-yard gain, which is great. You want that. But that could be a 40-yard gain. Right. You know, if, they, if, they're, if they're doing a sweep and he sees all that movement going, if he cuts back too early, that's going to give the linebackers time to adjust and go fill those gaps. But if he just waits an extra second, can see where those linebackers are heading and, and wait just a millisecond longer and then cut back, you can have that whole side of the field open to you. Um, and again, I'm not saying he, he can't do that. This is just something that I, I think um, he's going to need to be coached up on. Sure. Um, because he is explosive, man. Like, I think it's just he needs to, he needs to be able to see it happen a couple times and then do it. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him use more of his upper body uh, also when fighting off contact, uh, specifically his off-ball arm, you know, to stiff-arm defenders or, uh, you know, to even slap defenders out of the way. Uh, it, he... He seems to be forgetting that he has that weapon when he's running with the ball. He's juking, he's using his upper body to shift and everything like that. But then, you know, once there's contact made, he'll use his off-ball arm to try to shed those blockers or tacklers. Whereas if he gets, you know, a millisecond early and stiff arms those defenders, he can even use that momentum to push off and continue to run as well. Yeah, you're right. I didn't, I didn't see him using his off-ball hand at all. Yeah, which is something you'd really love to see, especially if somebody with, with his, you know, wiggle, you know, with his, with his shiftiness, because that's a huge part of it. You know, if you stick your arm out and you get him right on the helmet and he's pushing you off in a direction anyway where the other defenders aren't, you can use a, that momentum right. in your favor. So it's a huge deal. It doesn't even have to be like a, like a, like a Derrick Henry stiff arm into the ground right, thing. Right. It can just be like something to help shift your momentum. That's something I'd like to see more. And then I feel with his outstanding footwork that his feet get ahead of him a little bit. You know, like he's so good with his feet that his feet are quicker than his upper body. And I think that throws off his balance a little bit. And I think that actually kind of might be what lead to him taking, you know, bigger tackles or not being able to run through people. I think his feet are, you know, too, too fast for his body. Too far ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Um, but, I mean, overall, I think he's got great potential. I think everything that I see lacking can be coached up if he lands in the right spot. Uh, the biggest factors are, are his pass pro and route running. Um, so if he gets drafted, that, that's going to be a huge plus for him. And when that, you have that type of ability and that much of a plus, they're going to give you time to get coached up anyway. So, right. again, even with these uh, lacking things, like the, the thing that glared out to me the most was him just falling down after contact. There wasn't a whole lot of 
big fighting through the tackles moments and everything like that. And um, for for uh, for a running back of his size, that's what I was expecting to see. And I think that's why it stood out to me so much that I didn't see that. I was talking to you about it through the week as I was watching film. And that was always the first thing that, that I'd mention is he he didn't run as big as he really is. So yep. um, that being said, still, I, I think he's going to be a really good running back. Yeah, my cons, the, the first thing I said is didn't run through people. That's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. My second one says didn't play as big oh, as Oh, perfect, yeah. yeah. I mean, those, are, <laughs> those are the exact things I saw. I thought, I thought that he ran through arm tackles very well. I thought that he was fast enough to do that and had the strength to do that. You had mentioned kind of that he didn't have strength, and so when I was watching it, I was like, man, he's running right past these guys. He's breaking tackles like crazy. But then as I watched, it was literally if there was a hand on him, he had a chance yeah, to get through it. exactly. If there was a body, a shoulder, yeah. anything, yeah. no, yeah. He, was, he was down. And then, yeah, he, he just didn't play big. Six, what is six one two twenty? Yeah. He didn't look like that. He looked... Like, scat back is such a dumb term, but... It's exactly what I was thinking, too. But he looked like, you know... He basically... My other thing I said is he needs a good offensive line. Yes. Um, I think if he gets drafted to a team with a good offensive line, I think he can be immediately good, and I think he can be a super huge asset for an NFL team. I think he can be a three-down back. I don't think he's going to excel at the goal line, but I think with a decent offensive line and him understanding how they work, I think he can score touchdowns. Yeah. You know, I... I, I well, it's I, just like we were saying. Like, if, if they're, like, on, you know, goal, like, two yards out from the goal line and he can get small and, and get right. between a couple tackles and he doesn't need that secondary vision, I think, you know, he could, he could be pretty strong there. Yeah. I'm a little worried. I think that I did see if too many zero to two-yard plays. Um where he didn't always fall forward. But a lot of that, too, like I watched, you know, against Alabama, and that's a good defense, and there was times where he would just get swallowed. I mean, the offensive line had let everybody through. So overall, I really like him. I think he could be a good back in the NFL immediately. I think he has some tools to easily be a three-down back, but not sure if that will be totally what he does. You know, not sure if he gets all the work or if he's a lead back in a committee, but he's, you know, definitely good enough to play. He's definitely my number two running back, you know, right now, and will probably stay there um, depending on what we see the rest of the way. But I do think that that is dependent on landing spot. I don't think he's not a back where no matter where he gets drafted, he's going to be amazing. Yeah. I think some of it does depend, you know, where he goes and kind of what kind of scheme they run. Yes. You know, um, a team like San Francisco, we don't need a running back, but oh, obviously, there, yeah. you know, a team where it's a zone scheme and he's just supposed to, you know, go and then one cut, hit the hole and be gone. I think he would be really good at that. Um, but yeah, I think that his landing spot could matter a little more than, than some of the other running backs. Yeah, so I think that might be the first time uh, we're going to differ with our rankings because I, I have looked a, ahead a little bit on some other running backs, and I, I do feel like there's a couple that I'm going to like more. Um, I, I, th I feel like for him it could take a, a year or two really to make an impact. I, I think um, with the amount of 
things that I feel like he needs to be coached up on. I, I honestly don't know how long it would take somebody to grasp, uh, you know, uh, lowering your pads or strength or anything like that. I don't even know if that's a coachable thing. But um, I feel like, you know, if he has, if he gets drafted and then, you know, at the end of the next year, he's not blown up yet, I think for sure he's going to be somebody I'm going to want to go trade for. Right. Um, and especially if the second half of the season uh, he shows some flashes and everything like that, I think he could be a little bit late of, late of a bloomer. Um, and that being said, like I, I do think he's, he's got quite the potential. If only there was a place where people could see our rankings. <laughs> Patreon.com. <laughs> We're going to start working on our, our rookie rankings. Get them out soon so you'll, you'll be able to check them out if you join our Patreon. Um, I think I, I think, I don't know. We're not, I'm not good. We talked about it. I'm not really good at player comps. But I almost kind of like him to, like, uh, Tony Pollard. Okay. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, I think that when Pollard comes in the game, he looks super fast and he hits the holes and, you know, he just, boom, does it. And then, you know, that's it. Where then Zeke comes in and tries to go up the middle and run everybody over and stuff. So I could see definitely where he becomes fantasy relevant early because though you're right, some of that stuff will need to be teached up and some of the stuff he will have to work on, the power and stuff. I just think he's quick enough and can get small enough to be relevant on not a full workload. That's fair. And I also think, too, like, I mean, with his footwork, like, you, you don't even need to be on the field all the time. Like, right. you, you've, got, you've got some amazing footwork. I could see him just being incredible on, on little screen passes, you know, just getting behind the line, making a couple guys miss and breaking off some big yardage. Uh, he has the hands for it. He has a route running ability for it. Um, so, yeah. Right. I think, I think that he could instantly go into the league as a third down back year one mm -hmm. and be a third down back plus. Yeah where he's instantly getting catches and he's getting, you know, yeah, he may not be getting a full workload. He not, may not be getting 15 to 18 carries, but with four to six catches and, yeah. you know, five to seven carries, you know, he's consistently getting you in the 10 to 12 points a week. And if he hits one and gets a touchdown or if he, you know, hits a long play, you have a really good week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be fantasy relevant right from the jump. Awesome. I hope so. I hope so. That means more people that I can draft because I have a lot of picks in this year. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna get into our six pack of the week. We're gonna have a little fun with this one. We're gonna do six bold fantasy takes for 2022, and you know, it's kind of stuff that not necessarily stuff that we're predicting to happen for sure just kind of a little bold stuff like uh you know how about this or how about that so when you're you know, hanging out with the fellas having a couple beers you proclaim some drunk shit exactly yeah. exactly yeah. that's what happens when you drink a six-pack yeah um you want to start do you want me to start you know i'll go ahead and start okay because uh, that's how i have it on my show doc here perfect uh so i'm gonna go with the dolphins win the east behind tua and waddle and whatever running back they sign if pollard lands there, that'd be pretty cool actually <laughs> uh, or spiller i mean <laughs> Um, so I got, you know, the Dolphins, they've uh, spent the last couple drafts uh, on some early picks for the O-line. You got Austin Jackson and Liam Ickenberg, um, both in the second round of the last two drafts, early second round picks. So really trying to stabilize that O-line. And with another year to mesh with Tua, it could bring some big, exciting offense to the AFC East. And if they land a coach like Eric Bannamy, 
um, holy shit, you know, that could right, be right. the sky's the limit because they have some very explosive players. They've got some very talented players. I do think, too, is just getting better and better. Um, I, I like him a lot more, like the anti-Jalen Hurts. I like him a lot more at this point of, of uh, the year than I did at the beginning of the year. I think he did a lot to showcase that he runs a functional offense. He can be smart with the ball, make very catchable passes, and... Uh, with my boy Waddle there, uh, they get Gesicki more involved. And, again, if they get a running back, that offense could be quite scary. Yeah, no, that's really good. And you had said something earlier. You had said that we were talking about the Rams game, and you said that Stafford – I don't even remember exactly how you worded it, but Stafford, you'd sling the ball around because he was, you know, behind yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. And I was trying to think when you said that, I was like, who is it that I think needs to learn some of that? And it's Tua. Yeah. That's exactly – I love – I'm the same way. I love Tua. I think he. I feel I'm so much higher on him now than I was last year, and I'm pretty high on him. Yeah, I, you were I higher drafted on him. Than me. Yeah. You know, I drafted him a couple places, and I have him. And I think that is something that I hope he learns. Not quite the part where he's slinging it around all the time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he's always been worried. I mean, you know, he played with Fitz the first year and just completely got yanked out of games yeah. when they were close and, you know, he would have a decent game. And then they're like, all right, it's time to come back. You're yeah. out, yeah. you know. And then Fitz would do some things, and that's exactly what we need to see him do. Fitz just slings the ball down. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he's got some big gaff too. He's always <laughs> trying to win, and he's really good when he does do it. And when he doesn't, he says, fuck it, I'm Fitz Magic. I'm going to sling it I'm the gonna, same I'm, way next time. Exactly. I'm going to go out and do the same shit. <laughs> and Tua needs some of that. And I hope that, you know, all the stuff that's come out about how the Dolphins picked Tua over Flores, basically, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah. basically what they said. Yeah. I hope that'll give him confidence to be able to start slinging the ball around because he was great this year. His completion percentage was great. He did, but... He didn't have that, okay, let's really sling it. Let's really get going. Yeah. And I would love to see him turn it around next year. And, and yeah. And Especially with great. a weapon like Waddle. I mean, yeah. that dude's a speed street. Just And that's, I, I mean, imagine, I think that's, you know, you're high on Waddle, which mm-hmm. has in turn made me high on Waddle, but I don't have any Waddle, damn it. But <laughs> he was really good with, you know, getting the ball to Waddle, getting the ball to Waddle. But a lot of short stuff, intermediate yeah. stuff. I want him to have a little more gunslinger, and let's start getting you know Waddle's a dot and start getting yeah. his you know such attempts a little bit longer, and and I think that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, my first bold prediction uh, that the Bengals are the number one offense next year. I know that's not wild. It's not, it's not, not even crazy, that bold. <laughs> but I just want to say you know let's get the Bengals players you know let's get get those guys for your fantasy the the wide receivers are great joe mixon is great um you know let's see what joey can do swinging the ball around uh yeah i I know it's not crazy bold at all but there's some teams out there that put up a lot more yards and burrow though the last month people are seeing him as oh my gosh look at all this he, he didn't do that all year yeah he had a good four or five game stretch yeah, maybe yeah. more than that where he was like sub 20 fantasy yeah, points and yeah stuff. there was there was some stuff where you know he was 212 yards 236 yeah. yards i yeah. mean i'm making these numbers up but i mean they were no that's about know, right where they were there were some yeah. numbers that were not crazy so yeah, but mixon was running his ass off <laughs> and i'm just saying i think next year they put it all together yeah i think that mixon runs his ass off Burrow throws his ass off, and, you know, the wide receivers, of course, Chase and Higgins. Lacking ass on that team. Get crazy. (laughs) 
What do you got for number two? All right, so for number two, uh, Dak outside top ten in quarterback and fantasy points. Um, so that seems kind of like a hotter take because Dak's kind of consensus top five fantasy quarterback uh, with his running ability, with the explosiveness of that offense and everything. Um, but this one is completely narrative-driven for me. I truly do enjoy watching uh, my Cowboy fans suffer and uh, I've been a fan of Dak over the last few years, and I think he's talented enough to be a top-five quarterback for the next seven years. But it's the Cowboys. I think McCarthy has a track record of being uh, not being able to utilize his incredibly talented quarterback, wasting years in their prime. Um, if Kellen Moore goes to a head coaching position, I think the curtains will be pulled back even a little bit more on McCarthy's ineptitude. And Jerry won't be able to help himself but to make a bunch of headlines by saying a bunch of stupid shit. And all that kind of affects the team, you know. Cooper and Lamb both already struggled to put up elite numbers this year. Right. Zeke's another year older. Um, he's taking away touches from Pollard. They're, like, cannibalizing each other in that position. This offense could be very ugly next year if, you know, they don't get it all figured out. Um, it's not likely, but this is a drunken bull prediction. So, you know, I, I do feel like they're right teetering on the edge of a sword. Like, it could go either way. They either all pull together um, normally behind a good coach. <laughs> they get him like, oh, we got to get him next year. This can't be the way we are. Da, 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 da. Or it could just be like, oh, shit, we were screwed by rest, blah, 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 blah. Right, and they right. just fucking spend all next year pissing and moaning and throw away another season. Um, so that is that is my uh, that's my number two take, man. Yeah, man, I hope by outside the number 10, you mean he's number 11 because <laughs> I have Dak in a lot of places. But I can see it. I mean, I thought he was going to go in and just run away with this year and be great. And, I mean, he was good, but he just is so inconsistent. Yeah, there were and some games. Yeah. It's, it's him, but it's the Cowboys in general. But what goes first, you know, the apple or the banana? Clearly the apple is <laughs> developed with an A. But, I mean, you know, there's games where Dak just doesn't look good and he doesn't yeah. do it. And then he'll come out and he'll throw the five-touchdown game and the 400 yards. And yeah. But because of those games, I think outside the 10 is going to be hard, but I think it's definitely – definitely possible yeah um my number two cooper cup will finish outside of wide receiver top 12 fuck you it's our show notes it says very big fuck you and i was at first trying to remember if i wrote that to you but then i was like no he probably wrote it to me i was reading that i got angry i had to start drinking um that is definitely that's a drunken prediction i'm you know getting bolder and bolder cooper cup's amazing he's awesome um it would it would take a bit for him to not do it, but I think Van Jefferson is getting better. I think they're going to probably try to bring OBJ back. Bobby Trees should be back. I just think they have a lot of weapons, and I think Cam Akers is going to be good next year too. Um, I don't know how bold I want to get on that, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. uh, I just think that their offense, it'll be hard for him to – he definitely won't be where he is. And It'd be impossible for him to replicate that. There's, you know, <laughs> there's the history of the wide receiver one one year, you know, doesn't finish as high the year before. So um, that is bold. I think he'll be really good still. I though. think barring injury, that's going to be really tough, man. But all right, bold predictions it is. Uh, speaking of bold and speaking of Cam Akers, I got one for you. I'm guessing this motherfucker gets over 1,600 total yards next year. And I'm going to say somewhere between 13 and 15. We'll go 14 touchdowns. Yeah. That's where I'm going to go. So, like, 
you know when you're drunk and you're just in love with someone and they can do no wrong and like you just have this amazing vision of how perfect they are and you're blinded by like the one positive thing about them well that's exactly how i feel about cam Akers. like since preseason like i loved him coming into the season and then the achilles happened and it i felt like we just lost a year and i was heartbroken and then he just you know he started hearing oh he might come back for the playoffs and i never believed it Never, right. never once got my hopes up for anything. And, and then I was even still timid. It's like, okay, well, it's an Achilles. Even if he comes back, he's going to be a decoy. He's not going to be doing much. And, um, I mean, he just put up almost a fucking 100 yards. Dude, Dude looks good. Dude, Dude looks fucking rude. great. He looks great. He looks powerful. Uh, he looks shifty. He looks on point. Like, yep, 1500s. Almost touchdown a game. Lock it in. When we first decided we were going to do six bold fantasy takes, I was going to put Akers as the RB1 next year as my bold take. So I love this. Um, I am on record on this show saying that I'm not a huge fan. I don't think he can live up to the hype that he had coming into uh, last year. I got a minor victory dance when he got hurt because there was no way he could come back and, yeah. and, and be good and do it. And I, I'm on the other side. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get back, get healthy. Just the fact that you did it, the fact that you worked your ass off to get back. And he looks fast. Yeah, he looks really oh, good. Man. Really good. Um, I think a lot of that will, you know, they need to let Sony walk um, for sure. And they need uh, to put Daryl Henderson on the bench more for that to happen. But I, I'd love to see it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, let's do it. Um, my third is uh, this one is my beer of the day and my six-pack deep <laughs> prediction. Uh, basically, I'm giving myself the out to say I was drunk. I don't remember <laughs> saying that. Uh, but my third prediction is Albert O has more fantasy points than Noah Fant. Dude. That's a, uh, that's not even. I don't even think that's as as bold of a blackout take as you think it is, man. Albert O is really good. Uh, he he <laughs> looks good, and you know it does depend. I think who they bring in to to be the quarterback, but you know Noah Fant clearly had a better year this year. I mean, I was looking at their numbers, and I mean, it was not close. Noah Fant was much better, but Albert O looks good. He looks fast. He made some tough catches. Um, you know, I, I could see it running a, a two-tight-end situation. Obviously, not Gronk and Hernandez level, but, you know, running those two guys out there a lot together, and I, and I can see Albert O making some big catches. Yeah, and it depends a lot on, on who their um, coach is because they're, they're going to totally. bring in a new coach. But, I mean, remember when Albert O came out, it was in a pretty stacked tight end class. Was that the same tight end class as Noah? No, no it was a year after. after. It was a year after. But um, and he you, came, I mean, he came out as a big name. Yeah. He just went to the team so, that had Noah fan. Well, he was a big draft board climber. Like right. he started out low, and then at the combine, his his seven cone was just off the charts. He was elite. That's you know, quick breaks, quick cuts. He was just awesome. But um, you know. Noah Fant's incredibly talented. He's for sure going to be the number one on that team. But I, I, I wouldn't put it at a 0% chance that Alberto could outscore right. Noah Fant. I'll right. just say that because he's a very good, uh, talented tight end. And if you're good and you're talented, you know, shit can happen. You never know. Yep. 
Yeah, I love well, it, man. I, I saw you had a couple, uh, <laughs> couple more here. Why don't you hit those real quick? Well, so I was uh, doing my my uh, show notes and everything, and I, I asked a couple coworkers what their hot takes were. Um, Jack went ahead and said Elijah Mitchell is the running back one next year. Um, yes, please. <laughs> big Niners guy. I uh, just asked him for his fantasy bold take. And then uh, I asked somebody else, Hayden, I said, uh, hey, give me a fantasy bold take for next year. And he kind of stammered around. He's like, I'm, I'm not good at this type of thing. And that is our uh, defending champ. Yes. Yes, he, <laughs> and won I did, our, he won our work league. I did clarify. I was like, you're not good at, like, fantasy football? He's like, no, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a very humble guy. Were we in that league? <laughs> I got the toilet trophy, homie. Oh, yeah, we were in the toilet bowl together. <laughs> So my bold prediction is that Hayden doesn't know what he's talking about. Love it. Love it. Oh, man. All right. Done with our beer of the day. Just finished our six-pack. We're going to get into our drunken trade of the week. And let me just tell you, this drunken trade of the week goes hard. (laughs) It goes hard. It starts hard, and it goes Mm. awful. and Mm -hmm. Rock hard. And it's awful. (laughs) It is so bad that it started a string of different trades and different offers and and just different ways that literally angered me. <laughs> like, angered me. Like, I was mad. I literally tried to Facebook stock this person. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. And we're going to talk about it real quick here, and we're going to tell you about this trade. But then we're going to go into our Patreon feed. And for our Patreon members, uh, Miyagi and I are going to talk this out completely and talk about uh, all the deepness it went and all the offers that were sent and counter offers. And we're going to talk about my feelings. And we're going to do it, for Miyagi, we're going to do it blind. Yeah, gonna, I have I'm no gonna, idea. Yeah, how, I'm going to yeah. slowly give him like one little page of show doc at a time <laughs> and and get his reaction so if you want to hear more about this trade uh patreon.com slash fantasy on draft obviously we'd love to have you on patreon um it helps us out so much and you'll get you know extras like this get to hear us be angry That's yeah great yeah so okay <laughs> get, let's let's just start this one off okay perfect um this trade is between Team Thompson, who we mentioned earlier. If you're yeah. listening, reach out. Reach out quick. It's always two sides to a story. We'd love to hear yours. Because we're going to trash it. <laughs> and a uh, uh, friend of the show, Austin. Um, team Thompson, his team, uh, needs some help. He, he needs some players. He needs some running backs specifically. Okay. So he sent a trade. He was going to get DeAndre Swift and Javante Williams. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, you know, let's Heavy go hitters. big. Yeah, let's yeah. go big. I want. I love your, big moves. I want love your it. Swift. Yep. I want your Williams. Yep. Okay. So you're running back one and two on your team, most likely, for the next couple years. Yeah. Good okay. shit. Okay. See what the so investment is. He's like, here's what I'm going to give you for these top 10 running backs. Okay. Amir Abdullah. It's not a great start. Well, that, I mean, it's just the start. Okay. Yeah, let's see where it goes. Uh, J.D. McKissick. What the fuck? Dude, it's just a start. Just a start. All right. Okay. Like draft picks or something? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay, okay, okay. 22, 4.03. And a fourth rounder? 03. Yeah, the third. It's high. Oh, okay. And we're still getting started. Okay, okay, okay. 
22, 4.01. Very close draft picks. Very Dude, close. And, and that's as high as the fourth you can get. Yeah. And it gets better, I promise. Okay. I mean, it would. I'm starting to get a little. Yeah. $5 in fat. Oh, shit. Well, that makes it totally off. <laughs> WTF. So, Abdullah McKissick, two fourths and five dollars in fab for DeAndre Swift and Javante Williams. So I remember when I saw this on, on the Bad Fantasy Trades group on Facebook, and I I immediately got furious. I was like, what the fuck type of shit is this? Like why like what is this dude thinking for one? Like it, it it's so off you can't even like start to justify any of this. Like Amir Abdullah hasn't been a thing in forever, right? McKissick, he had that one good year catching a bunch of balls. He didn't do shit this year. And then I was like, fourth rounders, like, that's just, I mean, maybe he's just trying to start a fight with him and he's like, oh, or just trolling him or whatever. So I wrote, I wrote Austin, and I was like, is this that redraft league? Because fourth round in a redraft league. Right, totally. It was like a keeper yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. It, could be, it could be better. And, like, maybe he already has some other running backs and you can only keep two players in that league I'm, I was familiar with. And I thought that was the league. I was like, okay. So before I, like, fly off the hinges here, maybe that's it. Because you can get some depth in yeah. the fourth round, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, then it's not that bad. He's like, no, dude. This is fucking dynasty league. Like, I was like, what the fucking shit? Like, it's so hard being in a league with somebody like this because you never, like, it's basically a dead team to you. You, yeah. don't, you don't want anything to do with that team. Yeah. And it sucks because sometimes there's players on that team that you like or you know that they need help in a positional group. But if they're going to not be realistic, like, this is an unrealistic, uh, unrealistic attempt at a trade. This is no way that you think this is going to happen. And even if you do think this is going to happen, you're an asshole. This is a fuck you two fingers in the air trade. Yeah. Yeah, like this is worse than what you send to somebody when they sent you a bad trade and you're like oh I'll show you a bad trade like it's worse than that yeah this is worse than ones I've got from Trevor (laughs) this is is so fucking bad like and then and then the extra like third middle finger up just a five dollars fab what the fuck do you think five dollars in fab is gonna do for you in a dynasty league that's gonna get you beat up you're going to be so mad when we get into no, it. Dude, I'm already fucking mad. <laughs> I even knew this one was coming, and I'm still fucking mad. DeAndre Swift is fucking awesome. And, and Austin's not shy about his love for Swift because I'm in leagues with him. Yeah, Williams. and Williams is incredible. He's incredibly talented running back who hasn't even reached his snap potential at all yet. <laughs> to, uh, fucking. How old is Abdullah? Let me check that real quick. 29. Oh, perfect. Yeah, he's definitely. Well, you know, if you take a dollar away for every fab, then he'd only be 24. <laughs> Maybe. And then he would be awful for an extra. Yeah, you get four years of him just fucking riding your bench, dude. Oh Guys, we had an awesome five-star review shout out. Uh, My Tipton sent us titled The Greatest Podcast About Football and Beer. Sweet. He says. I love that. This podcast might be one of the best podcasts ever made. I don't live in California, but if these are the quality of people living there, then I may consider moving back. Their sports knowledge is top-notch, and you can tell they put in the time to research everything they talk about rather than go based on how they, quote, feel. If I could give them 10 stars, I would. Also, that butt fumble fellow they talk about sounds like an amazing guy. You know, they had me till the end there. 
Like, I was like, everything about this is spot on accurate, 100%. But uh, that butt fuck, he brings some real special fellas into the league. Guys, we uh, also had some new Patreon members. Uh, our buddy Lyndon, a.k.a. P. Thanks, we appreciate you. Scholar and a gentleman. Maddie Saddy, definitely a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you, sir. Tell he just just gets all the ladies. Big Dick Nick. This guy. Nick Forbes. He joined this week with a hotness. Thanks, big dog. Yeah, you're the best, man. Definitely appreciate, appreciate you. Yeah. Um, that's it. Anything else before we get out of here? I, I feel like I need to start drinking to settle myself down just so I can get more angry about what we're going to fucking record here in a minute. Yeah, guys. Check out patreon.com slash fantasy on draft. We're going to send out some bonus content soon uh, about this trade. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys so much. Check out Apple. Why can I never say it? <laughs> Check out Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can find us in all those great places. We love having you. Mom, call me when you hear this. I love you. Tip your bartender. Keep it gangster, y'all. Deuces. <laughs>